0: My name is Rob Weissman. I am the head coach of the Boston Renegades. I've been coaching um, the Renegades since 2003. Upcoming coaches, you got to celebrate small wins. And small wins aren't necessarily winning games. Bring in a person who's never seen the game before and who's interested in playing and watching their expression when they make contact for the first time in a tryout. Like, that's a win for us as well that we celebrate And we try to get that person excited about getting to become part of the team. Because oftentimes, you know, they don't even think they have a chance to hit the ball. And they do. I'm sure you, you know, you remember probably the first time you made contact.
1: This is the beep. Beepball equals everybody plays the podcast with the mission to build up the adapted form of America's favorite pastime, baseball for the blind and visually impaired, beep baseball. In community as the National Beep Baseball Association, we redefine disability through the empowerment of inclusive adapted sports, incredible volunteers, tax-deductible donations, and all-time classic sportsmanship. On the web at nbba.org, National Beat Baseball Association. On Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Follow our story. Join the team. Enjoy the beat. Beatball equals everybody plays. Yo, 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 Beatball Nation. It's your boy, Richie the Big Noise of Beatball Floaters. Back at you with another episode of the Beep, B-E-E-P, Beep Ball Equals. Everybody plays a podcast where everybody listens. The podcast where we try to learn something new about America's favorite pastime adapted for the blind and visually impaired. Played with our family and friends. We've had some folks calling out the big noise, saying he hasn't been noisy enough during the 2021 season. But we are back now. We are proud. We have a guest here today. Uh, We're going to learn a little bit about what it's like to be a coach. Of beat baseball so listen up we have a conversation with rob weisman coach of the boston renegades i hope you enjoy here we go what's up rob great how you doing not too bad my friend thanks for doing this let's start off with you know who is rob weisman and uh what does he mean to beat baseball what role do you play
0: my name is Rob Weissman. I am the head coach of the Boston Renegades. I've been coaching um, the Renegades since 2003. Uh, and I was coaching another team in Massachusetts for one year in 2000. That's where I got my start.
1: Wow. So, so 20 years in the beatball business, man. Wow. I didn't realize. Um, How did beat baseball find you? and And how did you get uh, the call to be coach. I went to
0: college uh, at Hofstra university with Steve Guerra. Um, and uh, when I was at school with Steve, um, uh, I lived on a floor where there was primarily a lot of people with different disabilities and became great friends with a lot of these guys. Uh, I'm still friends with many of them today. And while we were at school, we created a wheelchair hockey program. Um, and Steve was, you know, kind of, you know, ask me like, hey, can not we do something for the blind? But Steve was like one of two blind people on campus. So long story short, fast forward um, through graduation uh, and years later, uh, Steve called me and he said, you know, hey, look, there's this team that's trying to get started in Massachusetts. It's like, you know, you've got a great love of baseball. Uh, you got experience, you know, adapting sports to people with disabilities, with the wheelchair hockey. It's like, just, you know, go, go give this a look. So I went down, uh, this is probably July of 2000, um, to check out this group of uh, people that were trying to play the sport. And uh, I got hooked on it in 2000. And that's kind of where it started. You know, 17 or 18 years later, I'm still doing it.
1: Just another example of how blind and sighted athletes come to know beat baseball, making friends in college, making friends in your community. Shout out to Steven Gira, secretary of the national beat baseball association, another human who's been given, you know, 20 years plus to the sport that we all love Rob, uh, for new coaches, you know, what would be your advice in, you know, first steps in uh, leading a new team?
0: It starts more from an organizational perspective than a coaching perspective. Um, at least from my experience and, you know, everyone's experiences are a little bit different, but, you know, when I came onto the team and I played around with this team a little, I I coached them a little before I became the official head coach. I I ran a couple of tryouts for them and stuff. And, you know, one of the struggles that we had at the beginning was we had a group of people that wanted to play recreationally and we had a group of people that wanted to play competitively. And it was about, you know, it's sometimes that can be a very difficult mix of people because um, the motives are different. So for us, it was about defining what the mission of the organization was going to be and how we wanted to run it. And that was where we had to start um, because you know you got to run a practice very differently if it's recreationally, um, and you need to hold people accountably accountable a, a lot more differently if if it's competitive than if it's recreational so that's where we needed to start um, was is it was defining what we wanted to be and when I came in in 2003 you know they had said they wanted to be a competitive team um which was great that was what I wanted to to be part of I'm driven by competition and and been proven uh and trying to get better and you know setting goals and achieving those goals and that's that's something that that I, that was a good fit for me
1: I'm glad you brought up the perspective of, you know, being a recreational team versus a competitive team. I mean, everybody wants to be competitive, uh, but there are some realities and truths uh, to you know how to make that happen. So how, uh, once you make the commitment to be competitive, how do you reinforce that commitment um, as a team leader?
0: You know, once you've got a foundation and a mission as far as what you want to do, um, then what we did is, uh, and I recommend that every team do this is is have some sort of code of conduct. Um, we had our code of conduct dating back to two thousand and four. Uh, so we you know, after my first World Series and some challenges that we went through in that World Series, um, the only way I was going forward was if we were going to have a code of conduct. and for me and 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 our volunteers, what we wanted to do was we wanted to, and and not just the volunteers, but some of the players. I'm not gonna say all of the players at that time, but we wanted to try to create a culture about respect, about improvement, about teamwork, uh, and not just teamwork amongst the players, but teamwork between the volunteers and the players, and putting a focus on growing together and supporting each other. And we needed to have that foundation, and a code of conduct was where we needed to start. And I'll just give you one quick example It was drinking. Um, You know, I don't have, and and very few of the renegade volunteers are family members to the players. So we're not interested in going to a tournament and partying. You know, we work all year to improve our skills. We want to play ball. That's fun for us. And if you're drinking and showing up to the field drunk, and, you know, throwing up all over your hotel room, which are things that used to happen on our team a long time ago, like that's just disrespectful. Um, and if you wanted to do that, then this was not a, a match for, for our coaching staff. So we tried to build that code of conduct and that culture of respect um, around there. And that it took a while. And with respect comes to listening. And as a coach, you have to listen. You can't just tell people what to do. You need to listen to the challenges that that they're faced with. And in order to keep a group, it's very hard to get 35 or 40 people, which is about, a, about the size of our organization between all the players and coaches, keeping them marching in one direction. It's really hard, and you have to listen to people because you can't make any decision that's going to make 35 or 40 people happy. Um, there's always a few people that might be disgruntled with certain decisions. But it, you know key thing is listening to people implementing their feedback, And from a coaching perspective, one of the main things that, you know, I've learned is you can't just tell somebody what they're doing wrong by what you see as a coach. You need to ask them what they hear, because what they hear and what you see oftentimes aren't the same, Um, specifically on the field. uh, You know, if you're doing a team defense, as an example, you know, I may see that someone slid to their right when I wanted them to slide to their left but maybe I didn't hear the call, for example, that pulled them in that direction. Or maybe I wasn't aware that the wind was playing games with them um, and, and learning how to listen to people.
1: I respect the Boston Renegade leadership in widening the gap from, you know, the stereotypical beer league, if you will, for the lack of a better term. You know, we're including youth now, and and this is a family sport. uh, And most importantly, you know, this is a serious and competitive sport. Uh, So great insight to setting a uh, foundation and a a serious tone uh, to a uh, coaching perspective. Um, How about any final tips on, you know, maybe upcoming coaches uh, on how they can successfully engage and and encourage folks, uh, you know, both players and volunteers uh, to keep coming back. A couple other key tips I'd say
0: to to, to upcoming coaches: you got to celebrate small wins, and small wins aren't necessarily winning games. Uh, small wins could be a player's first run. Small wins could be, you know, hey, we reduced our strikeout rate from fifty percent to thirty five percent, right? it's very hard to win quickly in this sport. So you got to define some small wins and get victories out of that to keep people interested, providing opportunity. Um, I think the sport is different than a lot of other sports. A lot of blind people don't have experience playing sports. So it's about providing opportunity to people. It's not just always about, let me trot my six starters out there. Um, you need to provide opportunity um, and you need to do that in a safe way. Way. That's the last thing you have to have in your code of conduct and in your culture. You need to have safety rules established because players are going to come in and they may not know how to let go of a bat, right? And as a catcher, I've been hit by many thrown bats because someone will swing the bat, twist around, throw the bat, and run to the base. So there's a lot of safety that you need to build into your code of conduct and your culture to make sure that your volunteers and your players are giving it their best and can can have faith and trust that they're in a safe environment and can be able to, to go at a hundred percent without fear.
1: And without fear, you, you made a friend in college. And as a blind man myself, I appreciate uh, folks like you who um, kind of come into the sport in the way that you have. Uh, and now how long you've been giving to it um, since we're all about these you know, small wins and any kind of win, anyway. You know, we all want to win. Uh, and let tell me some more about the small victories, and um, and maybe we can move into some of the the greater accomplishments that uh, you've experienced as a coach uh, for seventeen years.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many of them um, that you can point to, and you know, to in to, in our team today. You know if we focus on that you know and, and we've been an established team it's it's hard to believe that we're one of the older teams now as far as like seniority and being around in the league because I still feel like I'm new to the sport even though I've been in it for 17 or 18 years I still feel like I'm new to the sport you know one thing the renegades lead the league in is clipboards and uh you know, you, you know we, we keep track of a lot of stats and we keep track of a lot of things that are going on. And that's, you know, how we can catch teams that are batting out of order because we're paying attention to what's going on. And it's been one of the things that's helped us improve over the years. And so because we keep track of all of these statistics, we're very aware of when players score their first run or when players uh, will record their first put out on defense. And those are those are wins that we really celebrate you know, sometimes, you know, we'll be playing in a game and, you know, it could be you know against anybody and maybe we're getting killed or we're winning by 20 runs and, and you'll hear us, you know, you might hear the, the loudest that will be is in a moment when someone scores their first run. And that's just so important to us. And, and, and that's important to every coach and every player on the team because we work hard together um, in our culture our players are teaching our players. Our coaches are teaching our players. Like, so everyone's invested in watching that player score their first run or make that first put out. And, you know, Sometimes it happens in their first game very rarely. does it happen. It's only happened in our team three times in someone's first at-bat. So all the players that have played with us have only had three players score a run in their first at-bat. It's a common thing that we do, but it's really, really important and really special to, to everybody on the team. Uh, And that's why we love it so much. And we even I've even celebrated players on other teams' first runs. Uh, I know some people who've scored their first runs against us, and I've never forgotten it just to be able to see them going back from first base with a big smile on their face. And, you know, if I can give someone an attaboy, I usually do, as long as they're not beating us in a a really important game. (laughs) You know, even going back even one step further, uh, a small win is I love also – bring in a person who's never seen the game before and who's interested in playing and watching their expression when they make contact for the first time in a tryout, like that's a win for us as well that we celebrate and we try to get that person excited about getting to become part of the team. Cause oftentimes, you know, they don't even think they have a chance to hit the ball and they do. Right. I'm sure you, you know, you remember probably the first time you made contact. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a real joy and it's something that we treasure as well, because I talked a little bit about opportunity and giving people opportunity. Part of what we feel is important in, in our culture is not just winning ball games, but giving people the opportunity to play or give people the opportunity to try it. And we do a lot of different things with different blind organizations to give people opportunity. So even if that person never joins our team, we still celebrate that, you know, that, that person getting an opportunity to hit the ball. So those are some smaller types of things. On a bigger scale, we've been fortunate to have been part of a documentary um, that came out on our team in 2013. And then we were very fortunate to be part of the Beat Baseball book uh, that came out in 2018, 17.
1: Yeah, you guys had a few chapters, I think
0: yeah you know they follow Austin, they follow Boston, and yeah. you know I think that was just a really neat experience in both of those to to be part of it um you know just from a visual perspective, you yeah. know having cameras around that you can see when they 're in your face and when you're not in your face or when you say something someone's running to a notebook to write something down um that's just a really unique and neat experience um that we celebrated as a team and You know, uh, Dave uh, Wanzek came to the Boston area and we had some book signings in some local bookstores, which was a really unique experience that I would never have ever expected when we decided to to start playing beatball back in Lowell in 2000, that we'd have a book written about us and we'd be in a movie that played at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, and, and, And those were some really exciting things. And the Baseball Hall of Fame has been also... A really exciting thing for for our, our team um, you know we had an opportunity it kind of started where I had an opportunity to work with them through this movie and then that helped me get some context to get them interested in the sport and then they put one of our stuff in we put Christian Baxton's bat in mm-hmm. uh, into Cooperstown and we got a chance to see that um, together with Christian, and let me tell you, you know, it was a, it was such a joy to see the Do- Baseball Hall of Fame wanted to have Christian's bat there for him setting the record for the highest batting average in, in BBA. But what was m- the most special for me was being there with Christian when he saw his bat in the Hall of Fame. And he has enough sight that if he gets up to the case, he can see it. Um... And knowing his story and what he's been through in his life, and how quickly and how positive he was through his vision loss, it was so rewarding to, to see him be able to see his accomplishment um, by having that bat in the baseball hall fame. That was just one of the most unbelievable things that I've ever been part of. And, and those are the types of things which that, that, that I get a big kick out of. Do I love being part of a championship game? Hell yeah right but it's like these little stories where you're changing people's lives um is is uh so inspiring
1: we want to thank rob for his kind words uh some great coaching advice For all those who are starting to coach beep baseball, I think he is the man to know. Want to reference the resource, the book that was mentioned by David Wanchik, W-A-N-C-Z-Y-K. David Wanchik, and that book is called Beep, Inside the Unseen World of Baseball for the Blind. It's a great book. Again, Boston's mentioned in it. Uh, your boy, Richie Flores, has a few uh, uh, quotes in there. Uh, so I, I, I do advise folks to check that book out. Support David Wanchek; He's a great beat baseball historian. I want to thank you again for listening to The Beat. Beatball equals everybody plays, the podcast where everybody listens and hopefully learns something new about beat baseball. Y'all continue to be winners out there. I'm going to leave you with a letter that I wrote with some of my friends over the quarantine non-beatball pandemic. But we are back, baby. Back to play ball. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't be a hater. Be a good raider. Follow the podcast. Beep. Beep ball equals everybody plays. Set. Ready. Ball. Dear Beep Ball. Dear Beep Ball. Dear Beep Baseball. Where do I begin? I look at my life in two halves. The half before I went blind, and the half after I went blind, when I was introduced to you. I guess I never really realized how much value you actually bring to my life. 15 summers in a row. Everybody knew what I was about. And I gotta say, meeting you was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I'll never forget my first practice, dropping my cane, running full speed to a buzzing base. The freedom I felt as a blind man. I miss you so much. I miss the companionship, the camaraderie. I miss the competitiveness and the sheer love that everyone
0: feels just by having an opportunity to play you.
1: But the balls are starting to beep. The bats are starting to swing. The beat ballers starting to score tournaments starting to host Indy Thunder have lost not just once but twice in the month of June smashing that one pound ball over the defense running full speed crashing into that buzzing base picking my head up to listen to see if my team was cheering when you do come back it's gonna be a party When you're back, it also means that Richie, the big noise of Bebop Flores, will not only be on the field, but will be found where all good podcasts are found. Till we meet again, always your friend. So, come back soon. Love. Your boy. The noise. Faith. Demetrius Mauro, a.k.a. Demo.